hello and welcome to this new episode of The Lives and Styles of Old Hollywood. Today I will talk about Marlene Dietrich. So Marlene Dietrich was one of the most successful German actresses of old Hollywood. She was a high-profile entertainer, a very successful marquee live show performer, and she is named the ninth greatest female screen legend of classic Hollywood cinema. Let's start at the beginning. Marie Magdalene Dietrich was born December 27th in 1901 in Berlin, Germany. Her parents were rather well off. Her mother, Wilhelmina Elisabeth Josephine's family, owned a jewelry and clockmaking firm, while her father, Louis Erich Otto Dietrich, was a police lieutenant. When Marie Magdalene was six years old and her older sister Elizabeth was eight, their father died at the age of 41. His best friend swooned in and married the widow six years later. But he never officially adopted the Dietrich sisters. That's why Marlene kept her name throughout the years. What did change, though, was her first name. When she was 11 years old, she just merged her two first names from Marie Magdalene into Marlene. This is the way we know her today. Marlene went to a girls' school and a secondary school while studying the violin. She even wanted to become a violin player, but a wrist injury cut that dream short. Instead, she became a chorus girl in the vaudeville circles and she danced in revues around Berlin. When she got rejected from the Max Reinhardt Drama School, she entered the Max Reinhardt Theatres anyway, as a chorus girl. Marlene's first movie role was in 1923, when she was 22 years old, in The Little Napoleon. The most memorable thing about the movie, Marlene Dietrich met her husband-to-be, Rudolf Sieber, on the set. They married the same year and had a little baby girl, called Maria Elisabeth Sieber, a short year later. But Marlene Dietrich continued working on the stage as well as in film, both in Berlin and Vienna, the two major European cities for movies in the 1920s. Her most impactful performances, though, were done on stage in musicals and revues that included singing and dancing. By the late 1920s, Marlene Dietrich had also managed to get bigger movie parts. The biggest one would be the movie Blue Angel in 1929, in which Marlene Dietrich plays Lola Lola, a cabaret singer. It was directed by Josef von Sternberg at the Babelsberg Film Studios in Berlin. This movie also featured a Dietrich song, Ich bin von Kopf bis Fuß auf Liebe eingestellt, or in English, Falling in Love Again. Von Sternberg, who already was established in the US as a director, urged Dietrich to come to the US. She did so and signed a contract with Paramount Pictures. In short, Dietrich was supposed to be Paramount's answer to MGM's Greta Garbo. For the following five years, Dietrich worked with von Sternberg and starred in six movies. Von Sternberg is also the one who not only discovered Marlene, but the one that was incredibly instrumental in making her a glamorous movie star. He wanted her to lose weight and coached her extensively as an actress. He actually was rather imperious, but Marlene apparently was one of the few actresses that worked effectively with him. Von Sternberg and Marlene Dietrich had one of the most successful collaborations as a director and actress, unparalleled by any other except the Catherine Hepburn-George Cooker collaborations. The latter, actually, though, is quite different in the sense that Cooker did not create the roles, the lighting, the filming and the script especially for Hepburn. But von Sternberg did exactly that. He used his unmatched skills of lighting and photography to stage Dietrich to the optimum effect. 
In addition, the attention to the details of set design and costumes made the six Dietrich von Sternberg collaborations extremely stylish. Still, until today, the visual style and glamour of them is unmatched. It was Marlene's first movie, Morocco, opposite Gary Cooper, that includes her probably most noted film appearance. In the movie, she's a cabaret singer and performs a number in a man's white tie and then kisses a woman. Both were quite shocking for the time. And this movie also earned Dietrich her first and only Academy Award nomination. Many critics still debate whether it's von Sternberg or Dietrich that make the immense success of the collaboration possible. But actually, it's the combination and partnership between these two. Because after von Sternberg was fired from Paramount and the two did not collaborate anymore, they did not reach the same heights of success ever again individually. Apart from Morocco, the two also collaborated on Dishonored, Shanghai Express, Blonde Venus, The Scarlet Emptress and The Devil is a Woman. Dietrich actually said about The Devil is a Woman that she thought she was the most beautiful in this particular movie. Dietrich's movies without von Sternberg were definitely not as successful, neither critically nor at the box office. Neither The Garden of Allah for David Oselsnick nor Night Without Armor performed well, and I Love the Soldier even ended on the cutting room floor instead of on the screen. All of these productions consumed large amounts of money and did not gross well. So, Dietrich was placed in the box office poison list, keeping company with Greta Garbo, Joan Crawford, Mae West, Catherine Happen, Norma Shearer and Dolores Del Rio, amongst others. Her movie Angel in 1937 was again poorly received and led Paramount to end Dietrich's contract. The following two years, Dietrich did not do any movies. It was only in 1939 that Dietrich accepted another role, again encouraged by von Sternberg. It was the role of Frenchie in Destry Rides Again, opposite James Stewart. It was quite against her usual typecast. It was the role of a bawdy cowboy saloon girl, and her song in the movie, See What the Boys in the Backroom Will Have, was a success that she recorded for distribution as well. She was cast in this type of woman, again for Seven Sinners and The Spoilers. Yet, Marlene Dietrich never regained her former screen success, although appearing in multiple movies throughout the 1940s and 1950s. She filmed with the great ones of the industry, like Billy Wilder, Alfred Hitchcock, Fritz Lang and Orson Welles. In the 1950s, Marlene Dietrich started to concentrate to perform as a cabaret artist all over the world, which she continued to do exclusively after the end of her screen career. In 1953, she even got an offer from the Las Vegas Sahara Hotel to perform live for the sum of roughly $350,000, if adjusted for inflation in 2023. The most iconic part of the short program, which only consisted of a few of her songs, was her custom Jean-Louis dress. It was actually the dress that inspired Marilyn Monroe for the dress she wore when singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President for JFK, and the one that Kim Kardashian wore to the Met Gala. It was a nude-colored silk dress beaded with crystals that created the illusion of transparency of the dress, which actually was not see-through at all. But such was the success of the show that the contract was renewed and a new one signed for the Café de Paris in London. Later engagements included performances on Broadway, in London's Queen's Theatre, at Berlin's Titania Palast Theatre after World War II, as well as a tour throughout Israel. Instrumental to her success on stage was her manager Bert Bacharach. He helped her transform her nightclub act into a theatrical one-woman show of longer duration. She performed songs from her movies, but also popular songs of the time. 
Another change visually was the costumes. She performed the first part in a body-hugging dress, similar to the one that I shared before, and a swan's down coat, and the second one in top hat and tails. And the latter enabled her to perform songs that were usually performed by male performers. These two worked together for roughly seven years until Bacharach wanted to dedicate his time to songwriting exclusively. And Marlene Dietrich would say about this time that she felt like she lost her director, her support, her teacher and her maestro. Something to note about the stage performances of Marlene. Marlene Dietrich is one of the very few stars who actively performed high into her 70s. Her health, though, was not as resilient. In 1965, Marlene suffered from and survived cervical cancer. She also had poor circulation in her legs. And in 1973, 1974 and 1975, Marlene Dietrich fell three times, injuring and fracturing her right leg twice. She got increasingly addicted to alcohol and painkillers. So Marlene Dietrich has been a fashion icon for decades and she will continue to be so for many years to come, I'm sure of it. And it was all for the image. She's quoted for saying, I dress for the image, not for myself, not for the public, not for fashion and not for men. If I dressed for myself, I wouldn't bother at all. Clothes bore me. I'd wear jeans. I adore jeans. I get them in a public store. Men's, of course. I can't wear women's trousers, but I dress for the profession. And Edith Hatt, who was an iconic costume designer to the stars, acknowledged Marlene Dietrich for knowing more about style and fashion than any other actress she's known. And Marlene's androgynous style of clothing, using top hat and tails as well as establishing trousers when they're still not allowed or common for women to wear, and the reason why she got arrested multiple times, are still hallmarks of women's use of fashion. So she was a trailblazer for the freedom we enjoy when picking our outfits. As she grew older, Marlene Dietrich used not only expert makeup and wigs, but also body sculpting undergarments and non-surgical temporary facelifts, which today are being revived by the use of tapes all over social media. Marlene Dietrich actually invented the non-surgical Croydon facelift, which, honestly, I had never heard of before I researched Marlene Dietrich. So the Croydon facelift involved twisting tiny strands of hair around hairpins that were then pulled tight and fixed further back on the head. Later, Marlene would use a fine gold chain under her chin and behind her ears that was concealed by her hair. The chain held back sagging skin and made her look way younger than she was. And there's still the rumor that Dietrich got her molars removed to accentuate her famous cheekbones when she got older. But this is all the professional Marlene Dietrich, the image, the persona Marlene Dietrich. But who was she when she was not Marlene Dietrich the star? Marlene was openly bisexual and she played with or defied gender roles and morals throughout her entire career. For example, she frequented the gay clubs and drag balls that were quite frequent in the 1920s in Berlin. She also trained boxing at a prizefighter's boxing club that had just opened for women. And even though Marlene got married to Rudolf Sieber quite young and had a daughter one year into the marriage, this did not stop her from conducting multiple affairs even with the knowledge of her husband, who often read her correspondence with the men and women she was involved with. Among those was Gary Cooper, during his affair with Lupe Villes, John Gilbert, who also had an affair with Greta Garbo, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., while he was married to Joan Crawford, and James Stewart. 
Her short-lived affair with Jim Stewart during Death to Rights Again even resulted in an unwanted pregnancy and an abortion. Other lovers later in life included Yul Brynner, Errol Flynn, George Bernard Shaw, the Kennedy brothers, John Wayne, Frank Sinatra and Kirk Douglas. But, as I mentioned earlier, she also conducted relationships and affairs with women, including Suzanne Bully, Mercedes de Acosta, Anne Warner, Claudette Colbert, Dolores de Rio and possibly Edith Piaf. Piaf was one of Dietrich's closest friends during her years in Paris, and Dietrich even served as maid of honor during Piaf's wedding to Jacques in 1952. Nevertheless, there were rumors that something more was happening between them. Her husband, though, had a mistress, and that was an open secret. Tamara Matul was also covered in magazines and mentioned by name. Rudolf and Tamara lived in Europe and later in San Fernando Valley near Hollywood. Tamara Matul actually was with Rudolf Sieber and Marlene Dietrich for most of their married life. She even lived with them in some instances, accompanied them everywhere and always had a room near them. But being the second to Marlene Dietrich, receiving her unwanted clothes and always being in the shadow contributed to her poor mental health, which eventually got her into a mental institute where she died in 1965. What made Marlene Dietrich so incredibly popular in the US were her war efforts. Marlene Dietrich was very political and voiced her opinions openly. In the late 1930s, she started to donate money for Jewish immigrants and those wanting to escape from Germany. When she was approached by the Nazis to become a German actress helping the Nazi regime, she declined and became a naturalized US citizen instead. During World War II, she was one of the first public figures to help the war effort, sell war bonds and perform before troops. She went to the front lines in Europe, putting herself in danger to keep the spirits of the troops high and put on shows that extended far beyond her usual repertoire, including even mind-reading sessions and a musical soul. It was entertainment particular to her audience. She even recorded songs especially for demoralizing the enemy troops via the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. In short, Marlene Dietrich was quite instrumental in the U.S. war efforts and received the Medal of Freedom in November 1947 for her extraordinary record entertaining troops overseas during the war. But Marlene's political activism did not stop there. She still kept contact with world leaders like Ronald Reagan, Mikhail Gorbachev and Margaret Thatcher. She appealed for saving the Babersberg Studios in 1989 and spoke on television when the Berlin Wall fell. Marlene Dietrich ended the active part of her career in 1975, after the second leg fracture. Her final on-screen appearance was in 1979 in Just a Gigolo, opposite David Bowie. Afterwards, she was only occasionally active, for example in 1988, when she spoke introductory words for a nostalgia album by German musician Udo Lindenberg. She relocated to Paris and spent her last 13 years mostly bedridden in the apartment, with only a few people allowed to visit her. She wrote many letters, and there are roughly 300,000 documents included in her estate, consisting mostly of letters. She kept regular correspondence with Bert Bacharach, Jill Brenner, Karl Lagerfeld, Ronald and Nancy Reagan, Ernest Hemingway, and Orson Welles, for example. And she was on the phone constantly. In 1992, she died of kidney failure at the age of 90. A requiem mass was conducted in the church of La Madeleine in Paris, which was attended by roughly 1,500 people in the church and many thousand more outside. 
She wanted to be buried in Berlin, though, near her family and her family home. So today, she is interred at the Städtische Friedhof 3 in Schöneberg, Berlin. And you can see most of Marlene's estate at the Film Museum Berlin. Critic Frances Windham tried to capture the phenomenon of Marlene Dietrich pointedly in 1964. What she does is neither difficult nor diverting, but the fact that she does it at all fills the onlookers with wonder. It takes two to make a conjuring trick, the illusionist's sleight of hand and the stooge's desire to be deceived. To these necessary elements, her own technical competence and audience's sentimentality, Marlene Dietrich adds a third, the mysterious force of her belief in her own magic. Those who find themselves unable to share this belief tend to blame themselves rather than her. Well, I think Marlene will always live on as a fierce German entertainer, an actress, a beautiful woman, a decent human being, and a woman fighting for the equality of people and women and their right to express themselves sexually and sartorially. And the learnings that I get from Marlene Dietrich's lives is, first, love who you want to love. She did not care whether they were men or women. She just loved the person behind it. And you should do the same. There are no standards to which you have to adhere. It's your life and you love who you love. Second, you wear what you wear. If it's a man's outfit, don it. Be happy. If this is what expresses your individuality and your character, well then put it on and just flaunt it. Be the person that you want to be and project the image to the world that you want people to see. And third, Take on help. Take the teachers, take the mentors, everyone who's just doing things in your favor that align with your goals, like von Sternberg and Bacharach did for Marlene Dietrich. Follow them, be with them, and work with them. And if it ends, don't be sad. Be happy for the journey that the two of you enjoyed. So these are my three great lessons that I get from Marlene Dietrich. And I hope you learned something new about her. I sure did. And, well... I'm looking forward to sharing some more details on another Hollywood great one with you next week. Bye.